0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 26th. Today we are reading from the Big Book. We are on page five and we're in the fourth paragraph starting with, I woke up.
1: uh,
0: Today's readers are Robin, Kim, Sharon, Hoodie and Paula. The reference number for Thursday, April 25th, is 4357. And again, that's 4357. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. I will now ask Irini to read the 12 steps.
2: Thank you, Christy. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you and I pass.
0: Thank you, Irene. I
2: will now ask Lisa
3: to read the Twelve Traditions, please. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my beloved fellows. My name is Lisa. I'm recovered in South Jersey. The Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsive overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five. Each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six. An OA group ought never endorse, finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, And prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Lisa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Today we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page five. We're in the fourth paragraph down, and I will ask Robin to begin reading, please.
4: This is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered. <clears throat> I woke up. This had to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I was through forever before then I had written lots of sweet promises but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business and so I did. Well I was looking back over the past the the paragraphs that led up to this and um Bill is like a runaway train downhill um drinking caught up with me again. I hardly drew a sober breath. Uh liquor liquor ceased to be a luxury it became a necessity gradually things got worse. I mean, he he has gotten to the point here where he wants to stop drinking and um, all the sweet promises that he's written over the years and his, you know, poor Lois <laughs> going along for the ride on the runaway train and, oh, my gosh, maybe this this is the time that will work. And it's just making me think about what my life was like Um it was uh you know it had gotten to the point for me where I really wanted to I up to that point in time, I knew I needed to. there was so much that pointed to the fact that I needed to stop my compulsive overeating, and um it it got to the point here where I desperately wanted to stop eating, and um you know there was just there was nothing I could do i all the vows and promises that I made. But there was something, I, I remember I had a friend who, you know, she listened to me over the years complaining and moaning and groaning about my eating and how I couldn't control it. And I remember her one day looking me in the eye and saying, Robin, can't you just stop? And I said, I can't. There's something wrong with my mind. I understand that you just have a physical issue with your with your weight and your diet clubs but there is something broken in my mind. There is something wrong with my mind. I have so many experiences of um, wanting to quit. One of my the things that I repeated over and over was that I would take a nap in the middle of the day when my kids were in school, and I would wake up from my nap and realize I was standing at the refrigerator, having just eaten something, and I had no idea what it was. I mean. You know, that's not normal eating. That's not a decision that I was making. Um, you know, all the reasons that I that I had to quit eating, it didn't make any difference because once I took that first bite, I set in motion the, you know, the allergy of the body, which kept me eating and eating and eating until I was so sick that I had to stop. And then I would throw away the food. And then a couple of hours later, The compulsion of the mind would set in. I'd start thinking about food. I'd start being uncomfortable about, I don't know, what somebody said to me on the phone. I'd start thinking about how my kids were struggling in school, and I'd go back to the garbage can and pull out the food that I had already thrown away. It was, um, you know, it was an unrelenting, vicious cycle for me. And yes, I made vows. Yes, I made promises. Um, I remember that, you know, one of the things I thought would work for me would be that if I lost weight, you know, the, the reward at the end of it would be a new wardrobe. I, and I talked to my husband about it, and he agreed. You know, I mean, this was a big deal to me because we were fairly poor at the time. And to, to have enough money to buy new clothes was huge. And that should have worked, right? But it didn't because my brain started talking to me. So, you know, we're set in motion here. Poor Bill, he's on a runaway freight train, but that in the end will prove to be um the most wonderful thing on earth because it will bring him to his surrender just the way um my unrelenting uh inability to stop getting up from an app and standing in front of the refrigerator and not knowing what was happen- what had just happened, you know, it, it that was the beginning of my surrender. I got to the point where, yes, I want to. Please, somebody help me. It's no longer a need matter. It's a want matter. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Robin. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is, this Christine. is Janice. Uh Janice, and then I'm sorry, who else did I hear there? Christine. Christine. Very good. Janice, go ahead, and then Christine.
2: Good morning, Christy. Good morning, vision for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. No, so here we are, deep in Bill's story of the progression of his illness. You know, and and the previous paragraph, as we were talking about yesterday, you know, he had had a business opportunity. You know, he'd been out of work for a long time. Lois was working. You know, at a department store, they were living with his in-laws. You know, things had been going down, down, down. And then he had this business chance. He had this opportunity. And he blew it. And he blew it by picking up the drink again. By picking up the drink again. So this time, this time, he says, I woke up. This had to be stopped. You know, this time I woke up and it had to be stopped. I don't know about your compulsive overeating, but I've been there. I've been there where Billy right now. Where something happened, finally I just said, All right, this is it. This is it. It's it's Monday and and I know that this time I can do it this time, it has to be stopped. I couldn't I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I've been there. I've been there. Heartfelt desire I knew this time, this time I met business. And you know what? I had made lots of those sweet promises. And who was he making those sweet promises to? To Lois. You know, to Lois. He was making those sweet promises. Only she said to herself, oh, this time, this time I see he really means business. This time it's so bad. Our life, our life has so many consequences of his drinking. This time he means business. Happily, happily, she observed that this time he meant business. And so I did, Bill said. And so I did. He was absolutely convinced that this time would be different. You know, but what he did not yet know is that he was prisoner of a twofold disease. That he had that allergy of his body. He was starting to see that there was something to that first drink. That every time he picked up that first drink, he just was off to the races. So he knew, I can't have even one drink, he says to himself. And he believed it. He believed it, just like I believed it. But it was getting to the point where I couldn't trust myself, I couldn't trust my own thinking my own belief in myself. But I, there, despite our self-desire, despite the wish, despite the consequences, despite everything, when I would say this is it, this is it, I have to stop. You know what the rest of that story looks like. I would pick up that first bite. One day, left to my own human power, It would be a bad day. It would be an irritating day. And somehow picking up would seem the best idea I'd had in a long time. But here in this paragraph, Bill met business. Bill met business. So I could relate. I could identify in because I had been there. I had been there hundreds of times. I tried to stop and I couldn't stop myself from starting again. You know, thank God Bill is so honest with us here in his story. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Janice. Christine, go ahead, please.
5: My name's Christine, recovered in Missouri. Um, Where it says, I was just like Bill, where it says I woke up, this had to be stopped, and then it says, you know, um, I was through forever. That's the way it was with me. Lots of sweet promises all the time. It was like I would wake up you know, after eating a dozen donuts at two o'clock in the morning, I'd wake up and I'd be like, okay, this is the first day of the rest of my life. Today's the day that I'm going to stop. And um, I'm so sick. I'm so tired. And this is it. And I meant it. And if you would have given me a lie detector test at that point, I would have passed because that's just how much I meant it. But um, so then, you know, where it talks about in Bill's story, where it says, as I drank, the old fierce determination came back. That's the way it was for me. It was like Two hours after that, you know, my ego healed, and it was like, well, okay, you can go back. Uh, Maybe you could try it this way. Maybe you could try it that way. Just try a different brand or just try, you know, uh, fat-free or something like that. And, you know, the book talks about that the delusion that we are like other people and presently may be has to be smashed. And um, until that was smashed for me, I couldn't – work the steps and get recovered and and you know i say this all the time as long as i thought that i had another trick up my sleeve some way to do it i had another plot or another scheme to do it there was no way that i could make my beginning because i still thought that i had some kind of power over food you know and um where it talks about where it says um and the phenomenon of craving develops uh emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over and unless a person can experience an entire psychic change there is very little hope in his recovery. And you know, there's no way how I get a psychic change is by working the twelve festival of Readers Anonymous and I can't do that unless I put the food down and that's why it's so important that Um, I was taken through this book and somebody explained the disease concept to me because I didn't know what was wrong with me. I thought it was a moral deficiency or I was just weak-minded. You know, I didn't understand that it was a disease, you know, beyond my mental control and that I was beyond human aid. I didn't understand that. And until I got this part, I couldn't even make my beginning. So I'm so grateful that this chapter is here and that this book is here and that um, Bill's story is here because it shows his personal powerlessness and his unmanageability and then how he, um, you know, how he got better as he did the program outlined in this book. Um, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Christine. Who else would like to share on this paragraph?
6: This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for your service also, Christy. Well, there it is. I woke up first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, he opens his eyes. What does he think about? Oh, the beautiful day ahead. Oh, I wonder what I'm going to do today. No, I woke up. This has to be stopped. How many mornings? How many mornings? Yep. It has to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. Not one drink. Oh, we say, well, the guy's on the right road. Look at that. He woke up. He saw that he couldn't. You think this disease kids What you see and what you think. It's taking you along. You think you have a choice. But I love this. I have to say I'm going to go to this part. But before then I had written. Hey listen this is going beyond saying now. He's putting it in writing now. That's pretty powerful. Remembering his background. I'm going to put it in writing. I'm not only going to say it. I'm going to write it. Sweet promises. But. But my wife happily observed that this time, oh, how many? This time it's going to be different. Not the same this time. it ain't going to be the same. I meant business, and so I did. He did. He did. He meant it. What he wrote, what he said. He wanted to live. He thought somehow that, yeah, it was going to be different. And then he even had his wife by his side. You're right, Bill. It's going to be different this time. And so I did. Then we continue on, as the disease does. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass.
7: is Nancy? Can I share?
6: Yes, go
0: ahead, please.
7: Hi, uh, Nancy, compulsive Reader in Lewiston, Idaho. Um, I, you know, when I was listening to that paragraph and um, about how Bill woke up and his resolve was high, boy, I I can't tell you how many mornings I woke up like that. This time is going to be different. This time I mean business. And and I did, like Paula just shared, I meant it. I believed it in my head that this time it was going to be different. Well, you know how long those resolves lasted for me? Until I got hungry again. That's Absolutely when it would end because I had, you know, and it's interesting because that was, that when I got hungry was not a physical hunger. There is no way with the amount of food that I consumed in a binge that I was ever physically hungry. It was the obsession of the mind that was telling me I was hungry. And then all of my resolve went out the window I remember one time when I was in therapy, my, um, we were you know, was trying to figure out why I couldn't lose weight, why, you know, and she asked me about when I get hungry and, um, you know, when I get physically hungry, she says, what do you feel? When, what do you feel in your body when you get physically hungry? And I kind of looked at her like, I don't know what you're talking about, really. You know what I mean, what I feel in my body. And she began to describe, well, when I get hungry, my stomach growls a little bit. And um, sometimes I get a little bit lightheaded that I still remember that session because that was shocking to me. And I thought, I don't, I can't remember the last time my stomach growled because I ate, I was a binge eater. I mean, I ate large quantities of food and um, I mean, you don't get to be the size that I was and not eat large quantities of food. So when I would, My resolve would go out the window is when I once again got hungry again, but there's no way it could have been a physical hunger because I ate such large quantities of food that there's no way, you know, that it was the obsession of the mind that took me back every time. And it wasn't until I was able to um, get some distance between me and that last compulsive bite, that last binge before, I could have enough clarity of mind to begin to start to do the work of this program. And that's why I think it's so critical, as it was stated in the doctor's opinion when we read it, that we've got to have a clear mind and body before we can be approached because it's just we've got to be out from under the influence of not just the physical cravings, but that heat and that that mental obsession, and that would smash my resolve every single time. I I woke up every single day. This time is going to be different. Today is going to be different. I'm not going to binge today. And I would probably eat a normal breakfast, and by 10 o'clock in the morning I would be gone and going again. Um, You know, it was just a cycle for me that was repeated over and over and over again. And as we listen to Bill's story, we're finding out that he did the same thing with alcohol that I did with food. He repeated the same cycle over and over and over again. And thank you, God, I mean that, that I don't have to live like that today. I can live in a recovered state. And um, listening to you guys share your experience, strength, and hope about the big book helps me to, that's my resolve today. My resolve today is... Who can I talk to today who I can share my experience, strength, and hope with that maybe might help them to find a higher power who can bring about the psychic change necessary for recovery? And I pray every day that that be my focus. So thank you so much for the meeting, and I hope you all have a great day.
0: I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'll jump in here. I mean, this uh, paragraph is just power-packed. It's just packed with, with, uh, you know, Bill's spiral, um, you know, that descent into the depths of despair that uh, he needed to be in um, before, you know, thank God he was presented with another option for, um, stopping, uh, his drinking. And, you know, of course, out of that despair and horror, um, and bewilderment, our, our program was born. I mean, I just think it's amazing. It's just beautiful. Um, You know, what I'm struck by as I'm reading and hearing people pitch on this uh, paragraph is is this one sentence, I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. And for me, for years, um, the idea of not taking that first compulsive bite, you know, OA literature that says before you take that first compulsive bite, you know, make a phone call or, you know, take a walk around the block or take a hot bath or whatever it says you know I I did not understand that what I thought is that while I was eating for example while I was eating pizza what I needed to do was stop you know at some point before I got too full that's what I saw as the first compulsive bite what I did not see is that I should not have picked it up in the first place you know that happens to be a food for me that I can't eat I cannot eat just a few bites of, a couple of slices of. It's just not something I can do. As much as I tried for years to fit it into my food plan, um, it just didn't work for me. So I didn't, and I didn't understand that. What I thought was, you know, I sh- I should be able to just eat a couple of slices and I'll leave, you know, one little tiny bite left on the plate because that's the one that's going to push me over the edge and make me too full. And um, I-, I just did not understand that. and <laughs> And maybe I understood it on some level, but I didn't want to believe it. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to give it up. I didn't want to not eat it. And, you know, so I would tell myself for years that it wasn't really a problem for me. I just needed to learn how to eat it in moderation. And for me, there are foods I cannot eat in moderation. You know, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. And um I just, you know, was struck by this. Yesterday they had a celebration lunch and, you know, the, you know, our, you know, VP brought, you know, bought everybody, bought us pizza. And so I went into the break room with everybody and, you know, talked and sat at the table and had conversations with people and did not sit there wishing I could have, you know, the 12 boxes of pizza that were sitting there. And people said, Are you going to have pizza? I'm not going to have any. Thank you so much. And, you know, people were interested in knowing why I wasn't going to have it. And I said, you know what, if I ate one piece, I, I'd want all of that. You know, I, I, it's just better for me to not even start. And, um, and that's the truth, you know. And maybe I would have um, not eaten, you know, all 12 boxes in front of people. But, you know, I may have eaten just a couple of pieces to make it look like I had some sort of control. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because this happened to me over and over again. I would have ordered it so that I could eat it on my own that night, with a you know, with abandon. I would have eaten like like you know, like a crazy person, um, and you know, to the point of being sick. And uh, for me, I'm just so grateful that I was finally presented with the idea that I could not take so much as one bite. I could not take so much as one bite of my trigger foods. I could not take so much as one bite. And uh, grateful to have been presented with that concept. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph before we move on to the next one? Monica. Hi, Hi, this is is Melody. This is Katie. Okay, I've got four people lined up. So I heard Monica. I heard Deborah, I heard Melanie and Katie, is that, did I get everybody? I think I did.
2: Yes. Yes, but I wanted to be first. No,
0: I'm (laughs) Katie. Oh, Katie, (laughs) Katie, you're going to have to wait your turn. We'll go ahead with Monica. Go ahead,
8: Monica. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And... um, Uh, Like everyone else, I, too, identify with this paragraph and went through this same stuff over and over and over again. And I'm looking at this this morning. I woke up. This had to stop. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. And I'm thinking, gee, Bill is having a little light bulb moment here. You know, because before all we've been reading, his solution to everything has been the alcohol, And that's been great and fun and, um, you know, that's been his solution. And here, all of a sudden, he's been given a little light bulb moment here. I saw I could not take as so much as one drink. Now, he hasn't talked to Dr. Silkworth yet. So he's realizing here he's got a problem. But And he he did, he mean, he does mean what he's doing, just like I met 50 million times, that that was it. I'd had enough. I wasn't ever going to bring my brains out again and blah, blah, blah. But that was not enough. That didn't do it for me. You know, the um, self-knowledge, and he's getting some self-knowledge here, and he's got a lot of willpower and determination, but it's not enough. But he has had a light bulb movement here. And and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Monica. Deborah, go ahead, please.
9: Hi, this is Deborah, recovered compulsive overeater in Naples, Florida. First time I get to say that, which I'm very grateful for. Um, This paragraph means a lot to me, because not just because of the way that I would wake up every day with a promise to myself that I broke, sometimes within the day, sometimes within a couple of hours, but because of the way that I co-opted my husband into agreeing with me that this time it was different. There would always be a new scheme, whether it was writing it down or going on a different plan, eliminating one food, um, making a cheat day, not having a cheat day, making it structured, making it unstructured. And God bless him, every single time that I sat there in the morning and told him what the new plan was, He agreed with me that this time it was absolutely going to be different. He could tell I was really determined, and I was, and then I wasn't. And um, it's amazing to me how we co-opt other people to agree with us that we actually have some kind of control over the substance, which we have actually no control over at all. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Deborah. Melanie, go ahead, please. Hi Christy, this is Melanie, we covered Compulsive Overeater, and I um, was going to say what Monica had mentioned, and so I will only just
2: say it one more time, just in case somebody missed what Monica said, and that is, Bill had the answer. He had the answer, he couldn't activate it. There was this gap, there was this piece that was missing, just like Monica said, and um, at that particular place in my life, again, like everybody is saying, took 45 years of my life because there wasn't a solution yet in the book in this particular place. So I just wanted to say once more, just to back up what Monica was saying, Bill had the answer. He knew, he knew, and could not activate it and without a pass. Thank you, Melanie. Katie,
0: it's your turn.
2: Okay, I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater, and you know now everybody said what I was going to say, but I'll try to come up with something new. Um, now I had what it takes. One day I walked into a cafe to telephone. In no time I was beating on the bar, asking myself how it happened. I I told myself I would ma- manage better next time. The insanity of thinking that he his self knowledge was going to um, you know help him next time. That is you know to me the biggest. Um, lie that our disease tells us. And, you know, I, I always cringe when people say, well, I had a slip, but, but I'm going to get right back on tomorrow. And, you know, I, I had a slip. I dove back into the sugar um, one day. And almost a full year later, I got back on, as we say. Um, You know, 30 pounds heavier, dying, you know, just wanting to die. And that self-knowledge is actually what caused me more problems because I was trying to figure out why I drank and ate. Um, You know, I remember when I got abstinent, people would say, well, have you figured out what caused it? It's like nothing caused it. I, by the end of my eating, I was eating regardless. I mean, being hungry, being sad, being mad, being glad, any of those, any emotions out there had nothing to do with my eating. It had nothing to do with being hungry, being full, liking what I was eating. I ate because I had to eat, because I am addicted to food. And I have an obsession in my mind that tells me that I will be okay if I do this just once. And that's what had to be smashed. I had to smash the idea that I could do anything, that I had any control over food. Powerless means you have no power. When I think of powerless, I think of every time we have uh uh, storm around here, we lose power in our house. And so I can will, I can stare at the lights all day long. I can say, I want you to work. I really believe you can work. I know you can work. I believe in electricity. They will not work. The power will not come on. And, you know, this, um, as much as, you know, he thinks he's getting better because he realizes that he uh, can't have so much as one drink, he still is missing that part, that part between I can't do this and I can't stop myself from doing this. So I'm so grateful that, you know, we have all benefited from his misery because, you know, this does have a happy ending. With that,
0: all pass. Thank you, Katie. We're going to move to the next power-packed paragraph. Kim, would you please read that next paragraph?
2: Thanks, Christy. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way, and I had taken it. Was I crazy? I began to wonder for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near just being just that. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive over-ear. And uh, I think we simply can just dub this paragraph Kim's 20s. I mean, this explains my entire decade of the 20s. You know, I meant business shortly afterward, I came home drunk. I meant business shortly afterward, I binged. You know, a popular political term right now is the red line. This is the red line. This is where we're not going to move from. Well, I had plenty of red lines. When I finished high school, when I turned 21, when I finished college, when I reached a size 18, when I reached 200 pounds, when I reached 250 pounds, well, the fact was my red lines were moving targets because I couldn't keep it. Where was my high resolve? I couldn't keep any of my promises. I meant business. I couldn't you know where someone had pushed a drink my way and I had taken it was like crazy you know I didn't do a lot of babysitting but when I did babysit did I pick the job because of how much money they were paying me or how sweet the children were no I would babysit for them once I would check out their pantry and the refrigerators and if the food was good enough I'd take the job again and then I'd sit there and I'd get those kids to bed on time I could sit there and watch TV and I would go in and go, like, okay, I'm only going to have three cookies tonight. That's all I'm going to have is three cookies. And I would go back and five minutes later I'd go back and get another and get another and get another. And then I would take the cookies with the sleeves and I'd move the last couple that I would try not to eat, I'd move them to the front so they wouldn't know the whole sleeve was gone. You know, I, I belonged to a gym and I lost a lot of weight and the gym actually put a picture of me of a before and after picture. A before and after picture. I would not change now. Was I crazy? Absolutely. I I gained the weight back, and I stopped going to that gym. I began to wonder for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. You know, I talk about straw vision. You know, when I'm I have the food down, I'm trying to control everything. I have peripheral vision. I can see around me, but when I pick up that first bite, I, it's like I'm looking through a straw. The rest of life does not exist. All I can see is what's through that straw because that's what happens. I have no high results. I didn't even think about anything. I would just come home drunk. I remember the moment that I decided I could not diet anymore because all dieting meant was gaining weight because I could only hold down that food for a certain amount of time. And then the spring back was so horrific. The spring back was so intense that if I lost 20, I would gain 30. If I lost 30, I would gain 50. So those red lines that I put to the sand meant nothing because shortly afterward I would come home drunk and I began to say, was I crazy? And I think that answer became yes, 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 and with that I passed.
0: Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Any E. Leah. Uh, Penny, and then Paula, and then Leia. Go ahead, Penny. Thank
10: you so much. Good morning, everybody. Penny E., a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Power-packed indeed. I'm like out of breath here. Uh, so much, so much. You know, we're talking about the first step. We're talking about Bill's first step, powerless and unmanageability. And it is of utmost importance that I identify in. For those of us, like myself, who are recovered, that I remember this day after day, 24 hours, 7, that I'm powerless, my life is unmanageable. But for the new people and the people who are just coming back to get this, to absolutely get this, identify in, do not compare out. And so here it is, you know, powerless. He says it again. I was through forever. Now, this this is about the fourth or fifth time he's done this already just up into page 5. He's through forever. His wife even happily observed, "He meant business, cross my heart, hope to die." Once again, he came home drunk. Why? Why as a compulsive overeater did I do that? Why as a compulsive overeater, so many of us on this line, 30 years in program, absent for 2 years pick up, absent for a week, Pick up, Abstinent, pick up, Abstinent. you know, it's, it's, it's exhausting. Why? Because we didn't know the problem, we didn't know the solution. We thought the solution was um, food plans. You know, and we didn't know how to get the solution. Why? Because we have not had that spiritual experience sufficient to bring about recovery, the greater aspect of our disease and our recovery. Powerless. He could not stay stopped. I can identify with that. I might not be able to identify with losing my job, I might not be able to identify with moving in with my. Uh, mother-in-law, I might not be able to uh, identify with not being able to get a bed, but I can, if I am powerless, I can identify in 100% with not being able to stay stopped. Why? Because I haven't had the spiritual experience, awakening, sufficient to bring about recovery. I have to understand that my disease is two-part uh, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. I have to know what the... Solution is working these steps, not studying them. Not do I hear people on the line saying, you know, I did the steps a million times. I did 14, 11 million four steps. Well, that's probably the problem. I don't have to keep doing the steps. I need to live the steps every single day. Bill says constantly in all my affairs. The unmanageability. I mean, I can identify with the unmanageability. Not wanting to go to work. Not wanting to take a shower. You know, not... Um not wanting to change my clothes, not being in in my dear, dear friend's wedding party because I didn't want to be the fat one. I must identify in. And this, I I mean, it's over and over and over again. He cannot stay stopped. I can identify with that 100%. Love you all. Have a beautiful, God-filled day.
0: Thank you, Penny. Paula, go ahead.
6: This would be Paula, Recovered compulsive Veritas. You know, we're brought into this paragraph for a few lines before, and so I did, and so I did. You know, this time he made the promise, put it in writing, said it, thought he could live it. Shortly afterward, not even a long time, because we know this disease is progression. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. He had nothing to fight it with. You know, first it was my thought, oh, my mental, oh, the mental, uh, yep, I, I made the problem, uh, yep, hmm. all comes together here. All falls apart. There's no coming together. We got the deadly duo here. We got the mental obsession. We got the physical allergy. What is he to fight it with? Nothing human. Where had been my high resolve? He always even asked himself questions. High resolve, not resolve. He had nothing to fight it with. And until he realized that, but then it hadn't even come to mind. His mind was so filled with, pick up the drink, put it in your body. That was it. Very mechanical. Pick up the drink, put it in your body. Pick up the drink, put it in your body. And that was it. Someone had pushed the drink my way, and I had taken it. And even then he asked, was I crazy? Was I crazy? That thought, he knew the answer. That one, he knew the answer. I actually began to wonder for such an appalling, oh my God, lack of perspective, seemed near being just that. And he's right there. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Leah, go ahead.
1: Thank you so much, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Well, (laughs) I mean, the disease is certainly tightening the screws on Bill here. Uh, Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? I mean, that's why the big book, you know, teaches me that despite the necessity and despite the wish, um, we have an utter inability to leave it alone. I mean, Bill had the necessity you know he's been out of work for almost five years uh he's sleeping on the couch of his in law's house uh his wife has to go out to work to earn some money uh you know he can't have a sober breath um, you know things are unraveling at such a quick pace here with the progression of the disease and in the paragraph above, you know, for the first time, he sees that he can't even have one drink. He sees that he can't have one drink. He's making a vow. He's making a promise. I'm never going to do this again. I swear I'm not going to do this again, Lois. I'm, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And lo and behold, uh, you know, he comes home drunk. That's why they describe our disease as cunning, baffling, and powerful because it is so frustrating. It is confusing. It is confusing to us. It's baffling to us. It's bewildering to us, let alone to everybody who witnesses this insanity. What's going on? He's having consequences. There are divorce threats. He's lost his work. He's lost his home. He's almost losing his physical, you know, well, he's losing his physical well-being. Of course he has the necessity. Of course he has the wish. He has lost the power of choice. His willpower has become practically non-existent. He has none. He's unable at certain times to bring into consciousness with sufficient force, the memory of the suffering. It's as if our pain has no memory. <laughs> we are without defense. That's what the big book is saying here. That's what the whole disease concept is all about, powerlessness. You know, the fact that once he ingests alcohol and he gets drunk and he can't show up at work and he's basically useless, useless that's a no-brainer. Anybody who drinks alcohol... To excess is going to have an effect on them they may slur their words they may urinate on themselves they may dance on upon a table or pass out drunk on the couch that's not really the where the powerlessness issue is the when we talk about powerlessness the real issue is even after all the damage Even after all the pain, all the suffering, the divorce threats, the loss of job, the loss of physical health, when he's cold, stone, sober, when he has no alcohol in his system whatsoever, the real problem centers in Bill's mind, telling him it's okay to drink. That's the real issue. That's when he says, was I crazy? Yes, the big book talks about that. Yes, this is the issue of insanity. When we're talking about insanity, we're talking about the kind of insanity that comes before we pick up that first bite. That is the obsession of the mind. And the big problem with the obsession of the mind is that it keeps us from seeing the truth about ourselves. We can't remember the pain, we can't remember the suffering. You know, I have a couple children who have allergies to fish. They do not have to go to Tuna Anonymous and talk about not eating fish. They just don't eat fish. They remember the hives. They remember the rash. They remember the uh, restricted ability to breathe. And they just don't eat fish. But we have this obsession of the mind that keeps giving us permission to pick up that first bite that is the real problem obsession of the mind this powerlessness and this disease is tightening its grips because bill is still bowing to its demands and with that i pass thank you
0: thank you Leah. would anyone else like to share on this paragraph it's monica monica go ahead
8: Good morning. Thank you, Christy. This is Monica once again here. And uh, diddle, diddle, diddle to everything that Leo said. And I just wanted to say he's, he's having... Uh, Bill has gotten another little light bulb here. You know, very, very faint. And he's realizing where had been my high resolve. I simply didn't know. Was I crazy? I began to wonder. You know, and he's beginning to wonder, um, because he's got the desire, he's wanting to, and what is this little light bulb? He is seeing for the first time that, yeah, this is a nightmare, and even though he's got the desire to stop, he cannot. Am I crazy? And like she said, this is the obsession of the mind here. We are totally powerless over this. We get to the point where we are sick and tired of being sick and tired, and we have the desire, and we want, but we cannot. And that's where we are powerless. That's our problem. We are powerless over this, and we need what's the solution. We need a power that's greater than us, that can override this, that can conquer this for us, and that is God. And working these steps is going to find you that power if this is where you are. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Monica. Well, This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, and there's so much, again, in this paragraph um, that speaks to me and, and reminds me of who I am and what I'm up against. And, you know, I have one particular story. You know, when I read this sentence, someone had pushed a drink my way, and I had taken it. You know, and that's after Bill had said... You know, he wasn't going to drink again. He wasn't going to drink, you know, and, and he couldn't remember that he had said he wasn't going to drink. I've got thousands of those kinds of stories. Unfortunately, I've got thousands of those kinds of stories, you know, and I remember one particular incident, and it wasn't, you know, particularly memorable, except that it kind of made me think, wait a minute, am I, a, am I crazy? Don't answer that. But I did ask myself whether or not I was crazy. Um, you know, I, I had told myself and, and said it out loud. You know, that's a whole different thing when you start telling other people, you know, I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm going to give up sugar. I'm not going to eat anything that has sugar in it. Nothing, no sugar. You know, stop me, slap me, you know, stab me in the hand with a fork if I reach out and try to eat something that has sugar in it. You know, please, I can't eat sugar anymore. I'm, not, I'm done. I'm done forever with sugar. You know, and I made a big deal out of it. You know, someone baked me some holiday cookies and I said, oh, thank you. I can't have them, but thank you so much for going to the trouble to put these on a plate and handing them to me. But, you know, I'm not going to have any of these. I'm not going to have them, but I'll certainly take them home. you know, I just, I I made just a big deal out of it, you know, told everybody, you know, people, strangers on the street, hi, I'm Christy, I'm not going to eat sugar. And, um, you know, I remember sitting in a restaurant after having a, you know, giant meal of, you know, buffalo wings and, um, you know, beer. And, uh, you know, at the end of the meal, the person that I was eating with, you know, had gone to the gumball machine, you know, this giant festive gumball machine. And, You know, gotten a bunch of pieces of gum loaded with sugar and um, offered me a ball of sugar to chew on and I took it, You you know, threw some gumballs in my mouth and my partner looked at me and said, I thought you weren't eating sugar and I had forgotten that I wasn't eating sugar. You know, after telling everybody I came in contact with that I wasn't going to eat sugar, you know, other people remembered that I said I wasn't going to eat sugar. But guess who didn't remember, she said she wasn't going to eat sugar, me. I did not remember. I ate that and, you know, just kind of shrugged my shoulders and uh, probably mumbled something like, well, you know, I've decided, I've changed my mind. I've decided that sugar really isn't a problem for me. See how good I've been? I haven't eaten sugar for two whole days. I don't think sugar's a problem for me. And uh, I was off and running. I was off and running. That was it. You know, whether it was my mind that said, by the way, this isn't a problem for me anymore, or whether it was the fact that I ingested sugar into my body and that craving started... You know, that mental obsession kicked in, and I was off and running. I was off and running. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes for someone like me. You push something my way, how am I going to say no? How am I going to say no? Um, you know, and like other people have said, there's only one way that I know of that has worked for me, because I can be around from today, and I can say no thank you when it's pushed my way. Because I know who and what I am and what I'm up against, and uh, you know my addiction, you know is, you know it is um, in remission according to how you know the, you know my spiritual condition one day at a time, and thank God that I have a program that works under all conditions, even when people offer me food. I am so grateful for that, and with that I will pass. Is there anyone, we've got time for one more quick share before we close up for the day. Anyone like to share on this paragraph?
4: I would. Uh,
0: I heard someone say I would, but I did not catch a name.
2: It's Elizabeth.
0: Okay, Elizabeth, why don't you go ahead. We'll have you be the last uh, share today.
2: My name is Elizabeth and I'm a compulsive overeater. This is my first meeting. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for all the pearls of wisdom, and I'm looking forward to learning from Bill, and um, thank you so much. Be blessed.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth, and welcome. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Sharon, are you available to read, Sharon R.S.? Yes.
2: Christy, thank you. Good morning. This is Sharon, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we have only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. If your own house is in order.